for those who are new to this journey of our adult discipleship time, and every other week we get either high schoolers or middle school. I think today we get the high school. Uh, middle school is in their class. So we welcome you. Um, but we're just walking through our Elder Affirmation of Faith. It's a basic theology class. Uh, it lasts for 35 minutes or so. We take a little break, and then our worship service follows, which starts at 10. That's what we're about to do. Today you're in for a special blessing. Stephen Chipman, one of our members, godly brother, deacon, uh, has been willing to lead today's session, so I really appreciate him being willing to do that. I'm going to pray for Stephen and then hand it over to him. Hey, in fact, come here, brother. Pray for you right here. Father, thank you so much for the joy of gathering together under your word. We pray for the classes that are surrounding us, the children as they're being instructed in your truth. Lord, cause those truths, even now, to seep deep into their heart, their soul, shape their minds. And we pray for our middle school students today as Derek's walking with them uh, in your word. We ask that you would bless them, that you would minister to them. And for us, Lord, we surrender ourselves to you. Thank you for Stephen. Uh, help him, carry him along, and help us all to gaze upon Christ through this time together under your word and this instruction. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, brother. Yeah, you're welcome. All right. Uh, well, welcome. Uh, this is our core doctrine series. Let me make sure. Yeah, you go. Not working. Cool. Yeah, our core doctrine series. This is uh, week uh, three, or the practical uh, theology on the elder's affirmation of faith, article 11, uh, living God's word by meditation and prayer. Um, I'm just going to read through them, and then we'll go from there. Uh, first one, we believe that faith is awakened and sustained by God's spirit through his word and prayer. The good fight of faith is fought mainly by meditating on the scriptures and praying that God would apply them to our souls. We believe that the promises of God recorded in the scriptures are suited to save us from the deception of sin by displaying for us and holding out to us superior pleasures in the protection, provision, and presence of God. Therefore, reading, understanding, pondering, memorizing, and savoring the promises of all that God will be for us in Jesus are the primary means of the Holy Spirit to break the power of sin's deceitful promises in our lives. Therefore, it is needful that we give ourselves to such meditation day and night. We believe that God has ordained to bless and use his people for his glory through the means of prayer offered in Jesus' name by faith. All prayers should seek ultimately that God's name be hallowed and that his kingdom come and that his will be done on earth as it's done in heaven. God's sovereignty over all things is not a hindrance to prayer, but a reason for hope that our prayers will succeed. And lastly, we believe that prayer is the indispensable handmaid of meditation. As we cry out to God for the inclination to turn from the world to the word, and for the spiritual ability to see the glory of God in his testimonies, and for a soul-satisfying sight of the love of God, and for strength in the inner man to do the will of God. By prayer, God sanctifies his people, sends gospel laborers into the world, and causes the word of God to spread and triumph over Satan and unbelief. 
Well, those are deep and loaded statements. And so today what I have for us are just four, uh, hope to be practical implications or four observations based on the elders' affirmation of faith. And they are uh, as follows. Number one, meditating on God's word and prayer produces fruit. Meditation on God's word fuels the fire of the Holy Spirit. Meditation on God's word fuels our prayers. And then lastly, the comment, prayer, the indispensable handmaid of meditation. So the first one, meditation on God's word produces fruit. Um, I get that from the affirmation where our faith is awakened and it's sustained and it's strengthened for the good fight of faith. How? Well, by meditating on God's word and praying. So meditating, uh, Jordan talked about last Sunday, uh, for Christians, meditation is not the emptying necessarily of ourselves. Like Jordan talked about transcendentalism, where you, you try to just empty yourself to achieve a higher state. Well, Christians, we are trying to empty ourselves of ourselves, but we're also trying to fill ourselves with something. That something is God's word. And as we fill ourselves with God's word, it leads to prayer, talking to God about his word, about what he's revealed. And in his word, he reveals his character. It exposes us, hopefully leads us to confess our sin and repent, and then believe or claim his promises. So faith is produced. It is awakened. It's sustained. It's strengthened for the fight. Um, I have been reminded, and I think helpful, passage of scripture would be Psalms chapter one. We've been in it as grace groups. Um, I've also been helped by this book, uh, which a friend gave me, The Songs of the Suffering King um, by J.V. Vesco. But in Psalms chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, it talks about the blessed man, the righteous man. What does he do? He delights on the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of, of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither and all he does, he prospers. Notice here that the psalmist uses uh, a simile, right? He's taking two things that are not like a man and a tree and he's comparing them to help drive home a, a point. And notice that he used the word uh, tree in this. He didn't say uh, microwave, right? Microwaves, well, they weren't around during that time, but it's, it's a tree, right? It, 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 a tree takes time to produce fruit, um, but it does as, it's, as it grows into its nutrients. It takes in the water, takes in nutrients from the soil. The fruit that it produces is not a reward necessarily. It's a consequence of being tapped into that, that source. So I put it there, it's not health and wealth. What I mean by that is that um, it's not like meditating and prayer are checkboxes that we do as a part of our service, religious duties to God. And then by doing them, all of a sudden we have God in our corner where he has to give us a good day and help us not lose it with our kids. It's not, it's not that way at all. Um, as we meditate on God's word and soak in his word, he uh, causes fruit to uh, produce in our life. And oftentimes, um, that fruit, it may be not uh, be immediate. I've been helped by these quotes uh, from this book. I'll read them for us here. We need to understand, however, that the psalmist's use of the simile of the fruit tree suggests that meditation upon God's instruction does not necessarily produce immediate results. Rather, just as a tree must be planted and grow for a time before it yields fruit, so also the righteous man's prayerful meditation upon the law of God eventually yields to bounty. He goes on, 
to quote another uh, brother, he says that the habit of prayer, this incessant meditation on God's law, is not supposed to be something immediately useful. Trees do not bear fruit right away. They first must eat amply of the earth and drink deeply of its water. Such nourishment must serve first to build up the tree. The fruit will come on later when it's supposed to. The life of Christian prayer meditation knows nothing of instant holiness. It's all a matter of perseverance and patience. Some trees do not even bear fruit for many years. I've been encouraged by Psalms 1, and I've been encouraged by these brothers in this book because just practically, I don't know about you, but I oftentimes live in the land of of what ifs. You know, I think about, well, what if uh, we don't have uh, money to make some of the bills? Or what if uh, I lose it with my kids? What if my, uh, this uh, difficult situation at work just continues on? What if, you know, the big ones? What if I lose my spouse? What if I lose my kids? Like, there's all these uh, what if statements. And I would like to say that he said that the fruit would bear in season when it's supposed to uh, come, come about. Like, spiritual fruit... Um, has a shelf life. It's not like we come to church on Sunday and God gives us our, our spiritual fruit of patience for the whole week. You know, it's like daily. It's like life is a perpetual growing season where God's word can produce fruit in our lives on a daily basis. Um, a lot of you know, a couple of weeks ago, Lauren and I got to celebrate our, our 20 year anniversary and we went out to Northern California, uh, about an hour north of San Francisco. We'd never been there. I had no idea that that part of the country uh, is basically uh, farming all the time. Beautiful farm country. They're growing stuff all the time. Of course, the vineyards, uh, but there's flowers. They're growing strawberries, apples, Meyer lemons, uh, cherries, you know, anything, broccoli. It, it's, it's amazing. The climate is conducive for what Lauren and I said. This is, you could grow anything. I had bought these cherries that were the first, first cherries of the season. And we were driving and I was spitting them out the window and I was saying, hey, I'm probably planting cherry trees because it's just so easy for things to grow around here, you know, because uh, it's a perpetual growing season. Well, our lives are like that, right? A lot of times, you know, like this morning, there's probably opportunity to exercise the fruit of patience as we got our kids ready uh, to come on. But sometimes uh, there's what's called uh, vintage fruit. One of the things that we did while we were in California is we, we did visit a couple of wineries. Lauren and I are not uh, big wine uh, consumers by any stretch, but there's vineyards there. It's wine country. And we went to one and this guy brought out this vintage rosé. And we were like, I don't even know what a rosé is. I didn't understand what vintage is. But he said, this is one that we haven't been able to produce for two years because of fire and because of drought. And I was like, what? He's like, so there's a, there's a, a way that a, a vine dresser or a vitologist, that one that grows them, right? They, they, can, they can take a, a vine and withhold water from it. It's essentially not drought, but hold the water so that the, the root has to grow deep into the soil. And then he said, by stressing the plant that way, it produces a sweeter fruit and it takes time. I feel like that's got application for us today, right? As we meditate on God's word, a lot of times the results may not be, the fruit's not produced instantly, but as Jesus said, his father's a perfect vine dresser. He's the vine dresser. He's perfect at it. He knows how to prune. He knows how to produce fruit in our lives. And sometimes I believe in our lives, God's doing that to us, right? He's making our roots grow down deep. I think it's obvious for us, like when you say, like you know, what are you tapped into? What are you? What are your roots uh, 
abiding in. If we're abiding in bad soil, right, we're probably not going to produce fruit or, or maybe bad fruit. But sometimes you may be like myself and say, man, I, I'm in God's word. Why am I still struggling? Why, you know, I'm in the good stuff. I, I'm, I'm in God's word. I'm in his presence. I'm, I'm praying. What, what's the deal? Well, maybe it's God moving us past our Sunday school answers to really experience him and produce uh, that good fruit that comes from uh, time spent with him. And so be encouraged to keep meditating and praying on God's word because it will produce fruit in season when it's supposed to. Um, just quickly, a testimony for me was uh, a few years ago, I went to uh, Ecuador with Jeff and, uh, and Derek and Miracle. And while I was there, I, was, I started with anxiety, I did. And um, uh, I, I got there, and I don't know if Jeff even knows this, but that first night there, second day there, I, I really was like, man, if I get, to the, if I get back to the, uh, uh, to the airport, I think I'd just fly home. It was pretty intense for me. But God produced a vintage fruit in me that day. It wasn't one that comes along all the time. He led me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and I was able to read about Paul in there and how Paul said things like, I want you to be aware, brothers. I don't want you to be unaware, brothers. We were stressed to the point of death. Indeed, we thought that, the, that we had received the death penalty on us, but that was to make us hope, not in ourselves, but hope in God who raises the dead. God's word produced a sweet fruit in my heart at that time. And sometimes, like I said, keep meditating. Fruit can be immediate. It could take some time to produce, but it's always on time. It's always in season. So spend time with God, meditating on his word and in prayer. Second one, meditation on God's word fuels the fire of the Holy Spirit. Um, I get this from our second part of the elders' affirmation of faith. The promise of God in the scripture uh, reveals to us, displays uh, God, how he will protect, provide, and how we are in his presence. We are his people. And it is the primary way that the Holy Spirit uses to break the power of sin. Therefore, we need to meditate on it day and night. God's Holy Spirit fans into flame the promises of God. God's word fuels is fuel for the Holy Spirit. God's word reveals again God's character, his promises to us to provide for us, to protect for us, and uh, to be uh, with us. I think of passages that we've been over in our study in John, where Jesus himself in John 14, he said that he would send the comforter, he would send the helper to be with us forever, the spirit of truth to dwell in us, to be with us. It will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that Jesus said to us in his word. Ezekiel um, talked about in Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27. God said he'd give us a new heart and put a new spirit in us and take that heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. And he put his spirit within us that calls us to walk in his statutes and be careful to obey his rules. And in Philippians, Paul reminded us to work out our salvation with fear and trouble because God is at work in us to both work and will according to his good pleasure. So the Holy Spirit applies God's word to our heart. It gives us a mouth for it. It gives us a taste for his, for his word. I was thinking about, uh, we're like that wet wood, right? <laughs> and Elijah called it the fire of God, fell on it, burn it up. He sets our hearts afire. He sets our lives afire for his glory, right? And our good as he provides for us and protects us and uh, gives us fellowship with him uh, in meditating and prayer. So part of that affirmation of faith was like, hey, when's the best time to meditate? 
Um, uh, how many people are morning meditators? <laughs> morning, how many are, are night um, meditators, right? right good, yeah, I've, I've heard people say, I just can't get up in the morning and I, I just can't stay up late at night. Well, I think biblically, he said, he meditates day and night, so we all have some work to do. And I put down this picture of the cow and the cud. I know it's a familiar uh, saying to, to us, we've all heard it, right? A cow has to chew its cud. That's how it gets its nutrients. It's got a four-chamber stomach, so it takes that grass and it can't get it all out just by chewing it, swallowing it once right has to regurgitate vomit it up back into its mouth and it chews it right it swallows it again throws it back up chews it again it's a way of getting all the nutrients out that's what meditation is right we're taking god's word and through the daily experiences of life god's using that to call that word back up and we just talk to him about it again we claim his promises claim who he is and it helps us it changes us Right? That's what meditation is in prayer. It's meeting with God, and we're the ones that get changed. So I think the take-home is this, is not whether or not you're a night, a morning meditator or a night meditator, but do you have a place that you meet with God on a regular basis? Do you have a time? I think that's important, right, to apply this article to our lives of meditating and prayer. My place is the uh, little, little nook at our house, this little table. I get up before the kids get up, and that's where I meet with the Lord over his word. I put down food there with a question mark because I just want to the, the food is God's word, but what are you going to take onto your plate when you meet with him during those times and places? Uh, when I first came to Grace Church, I know that I was reading my Bible faithfully, but I would get stressed out because like, I was reading my own personal time, and the church was maybe going through something in a series, on, on a sermon series, or we're doing something in grace groups. And so for me, just practically what I do now is wherever Grace Church is, that's where I'm going to light, right? So when John, we've been through John, I've been reading in John. And we've been in the Psalms with our small group, so I've been in John and the Psalms. And so, again, encourage you to meditate. Yes, morning and night, absolutely. But make sure you have a place, a time, and a plan as far as chewing God's word and being changed. All right, last, our third one. Meditating on God's word fuels our prayers. Um, we, from part three here, God has ordained to bless his people through the means of prayer. And those prayers should honor God's name. Uh, and particularly this last sentence, I want to uh, focus on God's sovereignty over all things. It's not a hindrance to prayer, but a reason for hope that our prayers will succeed. Um, being with Jesus leads to praying. I was thinking about the disciples uh, with him, and they asked, you know, Jesus, they saw Jesus pray, saw John's disciples pray. Jesus, teach us to pray, and Jesus did. And so our prayers definitely, we want to uh, pray in Jesus' name in a way that honors him. We long for his rule and his reign. Uh, God's sovereignty, though, over all things is not a hindrance to our prayer, but a reason for hope that our prayers will succeed. Uh, as I prepare for this, Lauren and I discussed this. Like, what is that? What does that mean? Unpack it. I'm sure this might. Uh, break down as a mystery to it, but we start thinking about our kids, you know, we could do everything for our kids, we could, we could uh, make up their beds, we could do the laundry, uh, do the dishes, we can mow the yard, um, but that's not the goal, right, we desire for them to grow up into maturity, to be responsible people, right, and so it's harder, but I do let the boys mow the yard, and what happens is I like to mow it in crisp, clean lines, when they mow it, it's circles and there's patches that are sticking up and my yard equipment's left out all over the place. And what takes me all of 20 minutes to do with a push mower turns into a two hour fiasco. Or 
the other one is uh, waking up in the morning to fix your cup of coffee and opening up the cabinet and to grab your, your favorite coffee mug and 23 cups fall out on your face and stuff, you know, because the kids were the ones that put those dishes up. Uh, so it takes work, right? But what we have found out, what Lauren and I have found out is that as we ask them to be more engaged in the family, that's what they do. They get more engaged with us as they come alongside and do the business of the family, right? They're growing. They're becoming more engaged. They're not less engaged. And so it reminded me of passages in Scripture like Ephesians 4, 12 through 6 that we're also familiar with, right? Um, we have uh, prophets and teachers to what? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry to, mature, to build us up and to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about every wind of doctrine by human cunning and by craftiness and deceitful screams. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up into every way, into him who is the head, into Christ. Isn't that what Christ is doing as we meditate on his word, right? He's helping us. Uh, he's leading our hearts to prayer. And as we pray to him, we see he's almighty. He can do anything. Right? And it's a reason for us to pray, not a reason for us not to pray. Uh, think about passages like 1 John 3, 1. See what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God? And so we are. We're children in the family. He calls us children of God, and that's what we are. He doesn't say it haphazardly. He calls us children, and that's what we are. So God's word fuels our prayers. We pray because he's our Father, and he awakens our faith. He sustains it. He strengthens us. He is putting us into the work of the family business, right? And as we pray to him and we see his faithfulness, it increases our desire to pray to him. It doesn't lessen it. We're becoming more involved. He's engrafting us into his family. Lastly, uh, prayer, the indispensable handmaid of meditation. Uh, I'll get that right off the fourth subpart in this part in this article uh, we believe that prayer is the indispensable handmaid of meditation and so uh, we cry out to the lord that he would change us and he does that he sanctifies us he sanctifies his people he sends out gospel laborers into the world and causes the word of god to spread in triumph over satan and unbelief um, uh, lauren's been quoting this here lately i think she got it from april but it's, uh, i think it's a neat uh, quote about Prayer from Corey Timboon. The wonderful thing about praying is that we leave a world of not being able to do something and enter into God's realm. Again, God calling us into His realm, His family, where everything is possible. And He specializes in the impossible. Nothing's too great for His almighty power. Nothing is too small for His love. So, again, handmade. Handmade is something that serves and assists. So, prayer are literally the hands that God gives us to grapple and wrestle with the meditation of God's Word. Um, you become what you spend time with. So I know we've said it here. First time I heard it, I was in high school in South Jackson, Tennessee. Brother Richard Askew, a dear brother who's recently passed away, came into that Sunday school class as a high school student, be bopping in there. First thing out of Brother Richard's mask, uh, mouth that day was, you become what you spend time with. Got my attention. I, I can see his face. I, I've never forgotten it. He was talking about Proverbs. I was thinking about, too, Brother Rick's uh, verse that he challenges us with that's familiar with us, 2 Corinthians 3, 17 through 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, behold, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So we do become what we spend time with. We spend time with God and meditating on his word and prayer. It changes us. 
It sanctifies his children, right? We become more like him. We're being changed from one degree of glory into the other. Sends out gospel laborers. Uh, I think, obviously, about uh, witnessing, sharing the gospel with people. But what about other acts of gospel love, uh, taking care of uh, or walking through a brother or sister through a hard time in life, right? Or taking a meal uh, to someone who uh, is in need. Uh, and there's countless other ways that uh, we labor with the gospel. Uh, it causes God's word to spread. It's thinking about those seasons of opportunity that daily come, right? And you, people, you've had friends like that, perhaps yourself. Like, how did I ever get through that, right? And loss of a loved one, how did you ever get through that? And you're able to share the hope of the gospel of God's word that is sustaining you in those moments. And then also as we pray, as we meditate and pray on God's word, we triumph over Satan and unbelief. So God uses meditating on his word to awaken faith. He uses it to daily sustain our faith. And he uses it to actively cause our faith to be fighting this good fight of faith. Lastly, the goal of meditation and prayer. God's presence. That's, that's the goal. We're trying to get before him on a regular basis to take in food. Just like those trees go through seasons, right? Winters, springs, they don't always produce fruit. It doesn't mean they're not healthy. There's always something growing in it. We're daily wanting to be in his presence so that when the season does come, we produce godly fruit that honors him and sustains us, helps us to fight this fight of faith. So I close with this. How are you meditating? I'd love to hear. And how are you praying? Um, and uh, do you have any other insights into meditating on God's word or living on God's word by meditation and prayer? Anybody? Um, any? I know this week at Grace Group, we, uh, we were talking about meditating. Brother Byron was saying that he likes to read through the Bible uh, on a yearly track and also sometimes camp at a spot. And so we were talking about that this week. Hey, the goal is, is to meditate, is to be in God's presence. Ben? All the way over here to say... Uh, probably mentioned it, but memorizing God's Word is essential to meditating on God's Word. So picking out something small to memorize, whether it be a verse or a chapter or a psalm, that way you can chew on the cud throughout the day. Yeah, I think one of the uh, fruits or one of the things, benefits of meditating is it leads to uh, memorizing uh, His, His Word. Um, I know personally for me, um, been, I'd been in First John for a while and for months, you know, and it led to uh, memorizing a good portion of First John. Um, and first, and first Peter, uh, and then some of the Lord's prayer. Anybody else have any insights on stuff you've meditated on that led to memorizing it? So Becca and I, um, I think it was two years ago, we started this read through the Bible program together. It's, a, it's an app, but there's a line in there that where her insights, she can just respond and I get an update. If I respond, she gets an update. And we do dig into places, but what I found last week in particular when I was talking to Stephen and them, 
the reading through the Bible, it gets you in the old and the new, and sometimes Psalms, and it was just all kind of meshed together. And then our Psalm study, and then a sermon that I'd heard from Piper, and something we had read in the book, it was just all God-like, miraculous in the same place. And so that going through at a fast pace all of Scripture, you get that whole Scripture picture, and then you get this little verse, whether it be a sermon or a brother in class, it's just like, oh, man, because he said that over here, he said that over here. Or when Paul or Peter quote something from the Old Testament, I just read that in Deuteronomy. And it just it encourages my soul just to see that consistency, consistency and sovereignty of God throughout all of Scripture and then the poignant places where he'll just stop and drop a point on you from Scripture to grow you. And one of the ways that I carry that with me is I'm old school. I like to use pencils. Nathan has experienced that because I don't type my papers to him. I write them in pencil, and he has to look at them the old school way. But I love three-by-five cards. I got my little pencil, and if I read something, I'm like, oh, man. Because there was a guy before, you, when you listen to the word, it gets in your ear gate. But as you're writing it down, it gets into your eye gate. It's just another way to get it in your writing you're listening, you're reading, and you stick it in your pocket and hope you don't wash it, but you can pull it out. When you reach for your keys, you're like, there's that little piece of paper, and you whip it out again. And so that's just one of the ways to meditate and carry God's Word with you. Speaking of cards, uh, one thing that I've been helped by, my, my wife, Lauren, uh, she wouldn't talk about it, but I, she has these prayer cards, prayer dialogue, and she writes out, all, I mean, all kinds of names, uh, everybody's name, right? And things that she's praying for, scripture, she's praying over them. It's been helpful to me. I, I have two cards. She has a box of them, and she goes through them, right? But it's been helpful because I've seen God's faithfulness to answer prayers in specific things, everything from job situations to house situations um, to conversations with folks, and just write them out. And again, God's faithful has led to be more faithful to write it down. So a practical way, maybe like Byron said, writing down your thoughts as you meditate on God's word, writing out your prayers, having a prayer journal, all good ways to do it. So um, may I pray? And then, yep. Brother, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, at you, you all who know Stephen know he lives his life in the word and uh, he lives his life on his knees in prayer. So thank you, brother, for being willing to come lead this part. Um, I recommend books all the time. Last week, I recommended three, and uh, I was like, oh no, that's an avalanche. Nobody will remember. Ben Bailey uh, grabbed one of them, audio version, maybe the written as well, Don Whitney's Praying God's Word. Uh, how long is the audio book? Two hours. And it's fantastic. How can people find Don Whitney's audiobook, Praying God's Word, or Audible. Is that the title of it? What's the title of the book? It's Praying, uh, Praying the Bible. Yeah, two hours, well worth the investment. How much did it cost? Okay, in the four-ish dollar range. Two hours of your life for $4, well spent, praying the Bible, Don Whitney, goes hand in hand with what uh, Stephen laid before us today. Um, <clears throat> I'm getting, you know, I used to hear people say, oh, when you get older, it'll get harder to memorize scripture. So Byron mentioned three by five cards. I'm cranking away on Psalm 130. That's, uh, 
My, my work this morning was on Psalm 130, and I saw four uses of the word, the title Lord, uh, some Adonai, some Yahweh, uh, in the first few verses. And just, I would have never seen that if I didn't just slow down and try to work hard. And it'd probably take me a month to get that little, little psalm locked away. But thank you, brother. Tremendous. Uh, we are blessed to be part of a congregation where memorization of Scripture, meditation on Scripture, praying the Scriptures, encouraging and exhorting one another with the Scriptures is normal. We're so blessed that we live in a little incubator where our baby, fledgling faith gets stronger in community by meditating on God's Word personally and, and together. So I'm so thankful for uh, how each of you stimulate me that way, and I pray that we'll encourage each other more and more. Let the Word do the work. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing the testimony concerning Christ, Romans 10. So let me pray, and then we will have a brief break. Father, thank you for uh, the truths that you just used, Stephen, to help us practically apply. What does it look like? And I pray, Lord, that uh, this church would be increasingly saturated with your voice, with your word, your word written and your word incarnate, the Lord Jesus. Saturate us with your word. Let us be the kinds of people of, of whom it is said, we bleed Bible. Just fill us with your word. Instruct us, transform our mind so that we may know your good, pleasing, and perfect will. Thank you again for this time. Pray that it would not be quickly forgotten. And we also pray that in the service to follow, you will be exalted. You will be lifted high. You will be praised. You will be honored. So help, help our hearts uh, to glory in Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name.